0: Sex, check out punk.musicmanument.com, where you'll also find a flatter donate button. So we are live. This is the first installment of the Music Punk Punkcast. Actually, we've had the Punkcast going for, I think, 11 shows, but it's all been uh, music and not interviews or interviews that we did for the main Music Manument show. So this is the first time I'm going solo on the Punkcast. And the idea is that I'm able to be a little more flexible with just having me rather than me and Tom. David, how are you? Hello. <laughs> Good, Doug. How are you doing? I uh, I'm doing all right. We've had well, I mostly have had technical difficulties. You've you've just been patiently waiting for me to figure things out. So.
1: <laughs> oh no, I'm, I'm very familiar with technical difficulties. It's my it's the main thing I do on the computer. Yeah, well, technical difficulties.
0: I love your music, so that's one of the reasons that I wanted to have you on the show. But the other reason is we had a little bit of a discussion. It was a pretty short discussion, but a little bit of discussion about the definition of punk uh, on the Creative Commons Punk community a while back. And so I thought, Uh what better way to start off Punkcast than you know talking to somebody already have a conversation going on with about that. So we we can go into a little bit of. Of your background, I, there's a lot of stuff. We've done the interview with you before on the Museum Management Show, so people can go back and listen to that if they want to sort of dig into detail. But let's just start off with the, with the of stuff. I mean, what does what does punk mean to you?
1: Well, I, you know, I'm I'm kind of not really sure what the definition of, of <laughs> punk is. Also, it's a, it's the same problem with a lot of the different uh, like things, like you know, the term folk or you know, rock. I mean, these things are. You know, people have to. People in the music business, or who run radio stations, or venues, or who are musicians, or, you know, they have to define what they do. You know, for various reasons, it's useful to define what you're doing. But, um, but in reality, you know, it's all it's all just music, and there is no, as far as I can tell, there's no real clear point where it's punk, and and uh, you know, wh- when does it stop becoming being punk and start being hardcore? When when is it when is it pop punk, or you know, how 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 subjective is that term? Yeah. And, you know, when is it rock and roll, or, or when is it? You know, I mean, it's it's just uh, just words, really. But uh, but I think the punk ethic is is something that's easier to define than the than punk music. I mean, I would say basically, if you play a distorted electric guitar, turn it up really loud, and and play mostly on the downbeat and shout a lot, then then it's punk. But you know. <laughs> But that's a, that's not a very good definition, really. And but the DIY ethic is is definitely a punk thing, and although it also is a hippie thing, and 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 uh, you know, so you know, it, it, and it way predates hippies or punks, you know. But uh, I've always I always thought the whole punk thing is kind of funny because uh, because at least in the '70s, I think to some extent punks often define themselves in opposition to hippies, even though they were both completely from, you know, very similar subcultures, you know, aside from certain things like the color of their clothing and whether they like to get naked or not. I mean, it's, uh, you know, otherwise the DIY ethic is what it's all about, you know, and, and loud, distorted electric guitars. <laughs> so, uh, you know,
0: I don't know. Yeah, I always sort of wondered, you know, I wasn't alive in the 70s, and I've always sort of wondered if a lot of that was was sort of almost like the roots of straight-edge culture, or what became straight-edge in the punk scene, you know, there's that sort of divide on, you know, between the, the punks and the hippies, because it, it seems like like politically speaking, if you're strung out all the time, it's kind of hard to do much, uh, whereas maybe the punks are more aggressive, and I mean, there's a lot to go on there, but I don't know, do you think there's anything to that? I don't know, you might, you, you
1: might have a point, I mean, at least the American punk scene that this straight edge is 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 uh, it's quite popular um, its uh, it's not very popular in Europe where where uh, where where the punk scene is is quite a bit larger and quite a bit more addicted to alcohol so you know it's it's uh, and also pot is a very big part of the punk scene in Europe as well m- mainly hash mixed with tobacco you know and it's uh you know, there are those who smoke it and those who don't, but almost everybody drinks. And and I, I'm not sure. Maybe I've I've met a few straight edge uh, punks, but it, in Europe, but they don't call themselves straight edge. They just don't drink, and people think they're strange, <laughs> including including other punks.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I'm one of them. I don't drink. I, I do other. I I, I, I smoke weed uh, fairly frequently, but um, but yeah, people think I'm I'm strange for that not drinking, you know, whether it's in the punk scene or, or
0: any other aspect of European society. So you mentioned Europe, and you're in Europe now. How long are you there for, and where are you headed? I'm right now in Glasgow,
1: and uh, I'm in Europe for 10 weeks, and I'm almost sort of I'm nearing the halfway point of this tour that started in Scandinavia in the, in the middle of April. And I'll be going to the G8 protests in Ireland. Month, which is kind of how I I timed the tour so that it would include the G8 at the end.
0: Nice. So that's another thing that I wanted to ask you about was no. not just your politics, but politics in general and and copyright. I mean, this show I think this is the first one as I mentioned, so I don't really know what it's going to end up being, but I think we're really going to focus on the music more than we do on the main music management show where we talk a lot about process, recording, and the decisions people make why to release under Creative Commons. But the political aspects of copyright these days are, are pretty important. You know, what do you think about your decision to release under Creative Commons and how that relates to your political outlook?
1: It very much relates to my political outlook, and it also relates to the practicalities of making a living as a non-commercial musician, But, but which are really, it, they're related, but they're also separate. So it's, it's sometimes hard to... You know, hard to talk about because, in a way, they're two, they're two different things. But um, but on a political level, I mean, just the whole question of, you know, what is original and what's not original, and who should it uh, sort of belong to, and who should be able to use it. I mean, these questions are profoundly political, and it's. Uh, you know what what is what is the commons and and what's privatized and what's uh, you know it can only be you, you can only hear it or see it or read it or whatever if you pay for it and, and then who should be having the right to profit off of these things and and i mean it's the, the most extreme case of this this whole question is i think in in the software industry and and also the pharmaceutical industry where you know but in like the software industry they're constantly patenting stuff that should be copyrighted. If if you're gonna if it's not gonna be open source, then then it should be copyrighted. And that would be the sort of legally maybe you could say appropriate thing to do when somebody spends, you know, weeks or months of their time writing code, you know, then that code it turns into something they're selling and trying to make some money back from all their time. And then copywriting it would be, you know, a reasonable thing to do. But instead they're patenting it. You know and which and it doesn't it's the, you know, the idea of patenting something because it has round edges and it's a rectangle or whatever I mean this kind of stuff is just completely nonsense you know so where, whereas I think you could make the argument for copywriting in, in many cases uh, at least for a limited copyright uh, the the idea of patenting this stuff is ridiculous and it's 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 the kind of the same with music you know people you got all these all these rock stars in the 60s that That made millions of dollars from uh, from playing uh, the music of poor black people who lived, you know, born, lived, and died in uh, poverty. You know that that's um, sort of one of many examples of why the whole thing is very troubling when it comes to music. Because you know who's going to ultimately profit from these ideas, which were not their ideas, which are not original ideas. You're singing in a language you didn't invent. You're using a chord progression that is that was invented in Africa tens of thousands of years ago. Probably you're playing instruments that were invented in Africa a long, long time ago. You know, they this idea that that this stuff is original. You know, it's just uh, and it, it's just completely random, really. Who ends up, uh, you know, profiting from this stuff and who doesn't? Basically, I mean. It, you know, there's a random element and then there's a racist element and nationalist element to it, you know, in terms of who ends up profiting from this stuff. But the whole, system, the whole setup is completely broken. It's, it's the bottom line, I think, as well, you know, in terms of, like, the practical aspects of it. It doesn't, it, if it were ever meant to serve the interests of the programmers or of the artists or whatever, whoever's copywriting stuff, you know, it's not working. And it never has worked, you know. Works great for the multinational corporations, and I think that's who it was all designed to work for in the first place. So,
0: so you mentioned racism, and and I kind of understand that with hip hop and sampling and stuff like that. Uh, but I wonder if you could expand on that a little bit.
1: Oh no, hip hop is great, and sampling is great. It, it, the racism thing is is that uh, you know who has access to the mass media. You know, it. it, it I mean you know, most of us don't, you know, regardless of what country we live in. But the people who have much more access to it are, are uh, privileged white people from the United States, you know, and, and London and places like that. You know, so, and then, you know, what the, the kind of music that they're playing, like when it comes to uh, rock and roll, you know, which is a form of music that is has been immensely profitable and continues to be for some people. I mean you know what who who where did this whole style of music come from that the rolling stones uh, may continue to make i don't know hundreds of millions of dollars off of you know and i'm not dissing the rolling stones at all it's they they didn't invent copyright you know but you know the fact is you know this music that they're playing is black music and it and it you know and and but black people overall have not profited from this music and that is because of institutional racism you know, it's because you, f- you find, a, you know, you find a, black people can invent a style of music, but then who, who does the white establishment want to promote that music and to be more palatable to the little teenage uh, kids who are going to be consuming this stuff? You know, they want, they, want, uh, they want white people doing that primarily. I mean, that, that's historically how it's been. I don't know if it's, it, you know, maybe it's a bit different now in the hip-hop scene. Uh, you know, I certainly hope so.
0: Well, I mean, what I was referring to is sort of the policies of you have fair use, but pretty much, for the most part, sampling is taken out of fair use. I mean, some of that could still be Mm -hmm. sort of subject to change, but Corey Doctorow wrote a piece about how melody and copyright superseded rhythm and how a lot of African music was more rhythmic. And, And it's sort of you know, gets slighted based on, you know, basically what Victor Hugo thought the copyright system should be. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so I think it, it's still there. I just, you know, I wondered if there was, was more, you know, that you had seen more, you know, you're out in the world traveling about more so than I have. I mean, I've been to a couple other countries, but mostly I'm in the U.S. and you're traveling all over the place. I mean, you're on European tour now. Is that where you normally end up touring, or do you ever make it to Asia or Africa or South America? Do you ever get touring opportunities down there? Well, I have been
1: to to South America a number of times and and different parts of Asia as well, but mainly I I tour in in North America and Europe, Australia and New Zealand, you know, basically the the wealthy countries where everybody speaks English. You know, Northern Europe, I rarely, I've been to Southern Europe a number of times and had some great gigs but mostly it's the english speaking countries in the north of europe and it's and it's purely for financial reasons that that um that's those are the countries i tour in you know it's i mean of course there's lots of wonderful left wingers everywhere you go and so of course you can have an audience playing for people anywhere you go if you work at it but uh i would love to be playing more in in south asia and in in uh in africa and and uh, that's just not where you get paid gigs, and so I can't afford to do it. I'm trying to work on a different kind of business model of uh, you know, trying to get people to subscribe to me rather than having to me having to beg for money and chase around paying gigs all the time so that I can afford to uh, tour in places like Africa, but right now that's not practical. Yeah.
0: I mean, there are, there are a couple of places in Asia and Africa where they speak English, and are fairly well off, like Singapore and Hong Kong come to mind. Uh, but I guess the distances in between the countries is sort of doesn't make it, I mean, just the plane flight alone is going to be pretty expensive, so you're going to want to put together yeah. a string of, of, uh, shows, right?
1: Yeah, and I've played before in Hong Kong, and wow. I'll be playing in Hong Kong again soon, but, but uh, yeah, there's, uh, it's a small place, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. one, it's one city, it's one, one big city, but it's right. not, uh, not a place you can do a, a real tour in, and, and uh, you know, Singapore, I don't know, I've never tried playing in Singapore. It's a, it's a police state, but there might be some left-wingers among the millionaires. Yeah, I don't, I don't know,
0: one of my professors is, well, I guess she's a Singaporean national, so uh, she occasionally has nice things to say, but usually not. Sure.
1: <laughs> I mean, of course, Africa has hundreds of millions of people who speak English, so yeah. I mean, Africa would be a natural place to tour. I mean, all of those former English colonies, uh, you know, for better or worse, are full of English speakers, um, but the overwhelming majority of them are too broke to, to, uh, you know, to be paying the, the kind of money that I need to make shows to do shows yeah. in order to actually pay the rent. You know.
0: Well, David, uh, part of the things that I wanted to do with the podcast was to keep things shorter, and I, so I kept my question list pretty short. I'm happy to sit and talk. I don't want to waste any more of your time. Not have any questions, but do you have anything else that you want to say? I don't know how many people we've got watching. We usually have at least you know a few hundred people listening to our shows after they're released. So, uh... anything you want to say to the people?
1: <laughs> well, I would say.
0: uh you
1: know, that I uh, hope to see you at a show somewhere. And, and you can download all my stuff on the web for free. But, you know, if they're watching this show, they may already know that.
0: So <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, davidrovics.com. And yeah. it, that you wanted people come to the show. So the tour information is, where is that at on the site? That's, that's right in, front and
1: center at davidrovics.com. Right. And so yeah. are the links to my latest albums to download them for free. Yeah.
0: Well, David, thanks so much for uh, coming on the show. I hope people enjoy the, the shorter format and that it's not too big of a deal for the musicians to come in and for a quick little burst of interview. And we can talk off-air a little bit about that. But uh, for everybody watching and for everybody who listens to the podcast later, thanks for coming by. Check us out at Music Manument.
2: I'm i